We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Let's turn to our text this morning. We're talking about the family of God. And I am so glad that you chose to join us today. Welcome those of you who are watching online around the world, and we welcome you to Christian Heritage. Pray that this word will be a fresh word, a word of encouragement and strength to you who are in the audience this morning and to you who are watching online as well. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 22 are our text. I'm pulling two verses out of that text for the sake of time this morning. The first being verse 13. Verse 13 says, Now you who through Christ have have been brought near, who once were afar off by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me stop just right there and say, we were all strangers and aliens and pilgrims, separated from God, but through Jesus and his sacrifice, the word says we have been brought near. You understand that uh, Jesus was a Jew, right? Everybody knows that, right? It's no surprise, right, that Jesus was a Jew. He preached primarily to Jews. When the disciples uh, were filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, they primarily preached to Jews until God moved Peter down to the house of the centurion and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and they too, as Gentiles, received the promise. And then he used the Apostle Paul to spread the gospel around the then known world. It's an amazing thing. So when you read Ephesians 2, recognize that Paul is saying, you who were not Jewish, You who are not a part of the covenant of God were brought near to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to say this every Sunday. You and I need to recognize that what brings us to common ground is the cross of Jesus Christ. It's not the color of our skin. It's not our nationality. It's not our language. It's not our education. It's not our culture. But we are one in him because Jesus died and rose again from the dead. And when we avail ourselves to that sacrifice, we are then brought near when we were once far off. I'm so thankful today that through Jesus, we are close to God. We call him Father. We call him Abba or Daddy because of what Jesus did at the cross. Now look at verse 19 of Ephesians chapter 2. It says, Now therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints members of the household of God. We've talked the last several weeks about the fact that word household literally means immediate family. Immediate family. I'm a part of God's immediate family. That gives me rights and privileges. That gives me access to God the Father. That gives me an audience with Jesus, His Son. I can walk right in. I don't have to stand at the front door and knock. I'm immediate family. I can open the door and walk right in. That's why Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says, Come boldly to the throne of grace that you might receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need because we are immediate family. We can walk right in, access all that God has provided for us and be encouraged by his presence in our life. So we need to understand today that as immediate family, it doesn't matter who you are, where you were born, what culture you're a part of, how much education you do or you don't have. When we know God, there's something in our heart and in our spirit that identifies us with him. His spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are sons of God. There is a connection there, a connection. And we also know and understand that every one of us 
regardless of our relationship with Jesus, know deep down inside of us that we're here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. We're here to go somewhere. And God is the one that's going to get us there. The saddest thing in the world is to find someone who's 80 years old and they wake up and they realize, I've squandered my life and I had no purpose. Everybody needs purpose. And this morning we're going to talk about God's plan and God's purpose for our lives because we're a part of the immediate family. Someone said to me before service, so you're going to tell me what God wants me to do? No, sorry, I don't do religious voodoo. I don't. There's a lot of folks uh, practicing in that stuff, but that's not the way it works. His spirit bears witness with my spirit that we are sons of God. The spirit of the living God is able to lead you, guide you, and direct you. Oh, somebody needs to hear this. You don't need some man or woman calling themselves a prophet trying to speak into your life when all it is is foolishness. Come on. If they have to get all kinds of information about you before they give you a prophecy, they're just like the fortune teller. Come on, we need to understand we have bought a lot of stuff in Christianity that has no root in Scripture and no place in the family of God. You don't need me to tell you God's will. You need the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you. And when you choose to follow Him, He will do that very thing. He will lead, guide, and direct you. He will show you clearly His plan and His purpose for your life so you don't wake up when you're 80 and say, why am I here? You know what, Jessica, come here. I'm going to turn this other mic on. Zach, if you don't mind, thank you very much. Let me get it on here. In the green room before service, aren't you glad Daniel and Jessica are back? They've been away doing internships this summer. Daniel, stand up. Let us welcome you back as well. There are youth pastors here at Christian Heritage. Daniel's at FSU Med School, and Jessica is doing a master's at FSU. In the green room this morning before service, she told me a story, and I said, I want you to share that. So listen to what she has to say about God's plan and God's purpose. Hey, everyone. It's so good to be back with you guys. We love this place. So basically, many of you don't know, but Daniel and I have been struggling because he's in medical school, and he has to make a big decision on Monday, tomorrow, where he wants to spend the rest of his two years in medical school. There's multiple locations in Florida, Tallahassee, Sarasota, and, you know, in our head all along, we were like, yeah, we're going to go back to Sarasota. God had us here for a little bit. You know, we'll go back home. And then when we were home the whole summer, God was just burning in our spirit and talking to us in ways that we don't even can explain. And we realized home is not where you were born. Home is where God has placed you Amen. for that mission. And Tallahassee has become our home. So... Daniel and I have been praying, and he's like, I have a decision. When God speaks to you, then we'll talk about it. And we have decided that we were going to put Tallahassee as our first option and Sarasota as our second because our mission here is not finished yet. We don't even feel like we've made a dent. God is going to use us in such big ways, and everything that we've worshipped today, all, well, we worshipped God, but this, this words that we've said, what pastor has been preaching has been about your purpose, your plan. God is able. He is faithful. And I graduate in December, and I was telling Daniel, what am I going to do? I'm not going to have a job. And when we were moving here, we were telling each other, what are we going to do? We don't have a church. Do you see how God works? You know what I mean? If he did this, 
then nothing is impossible. And we have to keep reminding ourselves of that. We need to stop thinking that it's just us that's going to get it done. If you give it to God, he will take care of the rest. We were never meant to do this by ourselves, And he can do the impossible. What man says, no, he says yes, if it's his will. So you guys have to keep remembering that. And we're here for good. Just wanted to let you guys know that. Amen. Let's give an altar call and go home, huh? Amen. Thank you, Jessica. We're glad you all are back. She made the statement to me in the green room, we realized while we were in Tampa that God said, that's what you want to do so you can do it, but it wasn't what God wanted. That's an amazing revelation, and I'm thrilled that you learned that at your age. You didn't wait until you're 93 and one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel to figure out it's about what God wants for our life. It's about his plan and his purposes. And God knows each and every one of us, and he has a plan that's specific for our lives. You know, when I was 17 years old, I started taking flying lessons. And I had my private ticket very early, as soon as I turned 18. My goal was to be a commercial pilot. That's all I ever wanted to do. I began pursuing that with a passion. And then at age 22, God interrupted my plans, called me into ministry. I didn't want to go into ministry. The last thing in the world I wanted to do was be a preacher. I had no respect or regard for preachers because of those I had seen. So I wanted nothing. I'd rather dig ditches than be a preacher. That's what I told God. We wrestled for a period of time. Finally, I submitted. And then the job I was working had me traveling at that time throughout Kansas, Oklahoma, and Missouri. And I stopped one Wednesday night and went to church in a little Assemblies of God church in Coffeeville, Kansas. And they had a missionary there from Mission Aviation Fellowship. And he talked about how he used his piloting skills and expertise to help missionaries around the world. And now that ding, 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 that's it. That's what I'm supposed to be doing because that's what I love. I love sitting in the left seat of a cockpit. Let me do that. So I put it all together. I said, God, this is the plan. I finally got it figured out. That's what I'm going to do. And you know what he said? Nope. That's not my plan for you. That's not my desire for you. I have a whole other plan for you. We need to understand, and it's in your outline this morning, that uh, when we read it, the greatest of man's power is the measure of his surrender. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, made that statement. We need to understand that we only see the power of God when we submit and surrender to the authority of God. And the authority of God supersedes every aspect and area of our lives. We need to understand that God does have a plan. It's my responsibility to seek him and discover it day by day by day. Now, I've got to tell you, when I finally submitted to God's plan and went to theological school, I didn't ever think I would live in Tallahassee, Florida. Matter of fact, at that time, I'd probably never heard of Tallahassee, Florida. That was not on my plan, not on my radar, but it was on God's radar. And as we follow him step by step by step, he reveals his will to us. The problem we have is, God, I want to have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, a 20-year plan. I want a retirement plan. I want to know where I'm going to live when I'm 85. We want it all mapped out. Isn't that right, Miss Gatura? We want to write down everything in line so we can just follow the plan. I got news for you. God doesn't do that. That's not the way he works. 
He said, follow me and one step at a time, I'll give you light. I'll bring you revelation. And as I give you light and revelation, then I'll give you grace and mercy and strength so you can follow me into that plan. I'm telling you for sure, if God would have shown me 30 years ago what I went through this last year, I'd have said no thanks. Don't want it. Not interested. No thanks. And most of you have been in those places in your life. Someone said to me when we came here, well, what's your plan for the church? I'm going to follow God. What's your plan for five years? I'm going to follow God. What's your plan for 10 years? I'm going to follow God. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with planning and preparing, but I'm saying when our plans and our preparations and our ideals and our roadmaps supersede and overshadow the authority of God and the will of God in our lives, something is wrong. See, because the simple fact is this, Isaiah declared it years ago, his ways are not your ways. His wisdom is not your wisdom. We don't think, we don't understand the mind of God. So it's only by walking by faith one step at a time that that becomes revealed to you and me. And when we understand it, then we can grasp it and follow him forward. Matter of fact, you know this, when we received the call about coming to this church, we said, absolutely not. Both of us, not interested. We're living in what we thought was the Garden of Eden, Denver, Colorado. Why would we want to go to Tallahassee, Florida and live there in August? Can anybody give me one good reason? I hate August. I walked out of the church Friday morning, walked 15 paces and was drenched in sweat. You tell me what's appealing about that. I mean, living in Tallahassee in August, it's like going to hell. I mean, you just don't have the fire smell. We need to understand God doesn't reveal his will to us all at a time. He gives it to us piece by piece by piece as we walk in faith and follow him. And as we follow him, then he gives us revelation, grace, and mercy in order to fulfill his will. Another problem many of us have is that we're wanting somebody else's plan for our lives. Oh, I see what that person is doing. I want to do that. I see what that guy is doing. I want to do that. Lord, I think I'd make a great engineer when God is saying, you'd make a great mechanic. Oh, you're saying, God, I think I could, I think I could build skyscrapers when God says, why don't you pick up a hammer first? Come on, folks. We need to understand we see people and their success and we say, I want to be just like them. No, our example, and you can read it in Ephesians chapter 5, our example is to imitate God. May I remind you that Jesus Christ was a carpenter? May I remind you that he died on a cross? May I remind you that he was beaten and bloodied and bruised and placed in a borrowed grave so that you and I could know there really is a way, there really is truth, there really is life, there really is something worth living for, there really is an answer for today and an answer for tomorrow. I don't have to fear death in the grave because he holds the keys of death in the grave. He's got my future in his hand and all I have to do is follow him. Come on, get your eyes off people and get your eyes on God. You've got to understand God has a life for you to live, and it's probably not the life that you imagine in your dreams. It's probably not the life that you have coveted in someone else's life. You have a life to live. You have a destiny. You have a race to run, and only you can do it. 
Only you can do it. It's yours to run. You will never be able to run someone else's race. You'll never be able to wear somebody else's skin. You'll never be able to fulfill someone else's dream. And if you try, you end up frustrated. Do you know why so many believers come in, find Christ, and then disappear? Because they don't understand God reveals his will to them day by day by day. And they bought the lie that if you come to Christ, let me say it again, they bought the lie that if you come to Christ, everything's going to be okay. You'll never have another problem. Life is going to be hunky-dory. You'll never get a bad diagnosis. Your bank account will never be empty. The Cadillac will never be more than a year old. You'll have $1,000 suits and $2,000 dresses. Where did that nonsense come from? Say amen or say oh me. One or the other. We need to understand we can't run someone else's race. If we do, we waste our lives. There's even a scriptural example of that in Acts chapter 19. Paul was preaching in Ephesus. Great revival was occurring. People were being healed. Demonics were being set free. Miracles were occurring. And there were these guys who were vagabond, is what the King James says. It really means traveling Jews who thought they were exorcists. They were able to cast out demons. There were seven of them called the seven sons of Sceva. And when they heard about what Paul was doing and the results that were occurring, they said, well, let's just jump on that bandwagon. Let's do some of that too. Sounds like modern Christianity, doesn't it? They're seeing success down the road in that church. Well, let's do what they're doing. If Rick Warren built a church of thousands, let's just do what he's doing. If Craig Rochelle in Oklahoma City has the largest church in America, let's do what he's doing. You can only run your race. You cannot follow someone else except God. So those guys, those seven Jews who thought they were exorcists, found a man who was demon-possessed. And I love the way the King James reads. It says, we adjure you, these seven guys talking to the demonic, we adjure you in Jesus' name by whom Paul preaches, come out of him. And you know what that demonic said? He said, I know Jesus and I know Paul. But who in the world are you? Come on, you try to live somebody else's life, you try to fulfill someone else's mandate, that's what you're going to be hearing all the time. I know Jesus, I know that other guy, but who in the world do you think you are? You see, you have no authority when you're not following the plan of God. You've got to walk in the plan of God and follow the plan of God for your life day by day, step by step, more light, more light every day in order to walk in the authority of God. You cannot run somebody else's race. Can't do it. It's impossible. You see, and we need to understand that if we come to the place that we have not found and fulfilled the purpose and plan of God for our lives, we're going to die empty. We're going to die frustrated. We're going to die without the sense of purpose that God designed us to have and to live with. Anytime we live disconnected from God, we live disenfranchised from the blessing of God. Anytime we find ourselves failing to fulfill God's purpose and plan for our lives, we find ourselves in frustration and failure. Now understand, we may be the most successful person on the place of the earth. We have a million dollars in the bank. But when you die, that's when success and failure is really measured. When you stand before God 
It doesn't matter how many millions you have, how many diamond rings you have, how many big cars you have, how big your house is. What matters is did you do what I asked you to do? Did you fulfill my plan and my purpose for your life? And if we're disconnected from him because we're following somebody else, we will die empty. Empty. Not understanding what God has for us. You see, there's a lot of folks in the church who are willing to make a contribution. We come on Sundays, we throw $100 in the offering plate, and somehow we think that works magic, and then God is supposed to just download all this stuff into us because we made a contribution. Well, God's not looking for contributions. Let me say it this way. God really doesn't need your money. Matter of fact, I don't know why I'm saying this, but somebody needs to hear it. Not long ago, someone said to me, if you don't stop doing that, I'm going to withhold my tithe. I don't care. That's not my problem. That's between you and God. See, and if you think that you're going to alter what God has told me to do by trying to withhold your tithe, you're one sick son. You just don't get it. It doesn't, you're not hurting me. You're offending God. That covenant is between you and God. And if you don't want God to keep his promise, then go ahead and do it. But if you want God to keep his promise, you better do what he's asked you to do. It's called commitment. Commitment. You know the difference between contribution and commitment, right? Look at bacon and eggs. The chicken made a contribution. The pig made a commitment. Now, I'm not suggesting you go out and and do that. I am suggesting that you put your life on the line. That you commit, that you sell out, that you wholeheartedly pursue the will and the plan of God for your life, even when you don't like it. Even when you'd rather be at home. Even when that looks more appealing. you got to pursue the will and the plan and the purposes of God in order to come to the place where you can say, I've done what God has asked me to do. Let me say it this way. God only made one of you. And for some of you, we say, thank God for that. (laughs) Look at it in Psalm chapter 139, verses 14 through 16. The Bible says, I will praise you. This is David already. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. My soul knows that very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. What does that say? It says, before I was even a twinkle in my daddy's eye, God had a plan for my life. Before I had any idea that I would be born, God had a plan for my life. And that applies to humanity universally. God has a plan for your life. We need to understand we can pursue our own plans, pursue our own will. But until we commit to God and God's plan, we will never know the fulfillment, the satisfaction that we're searching and seeking seeking for in our lives. God only made one of you. See, there's a common misunderstanding in modern Christianity. That's somehow that it actually goes back to the deist years ago who believed that God put everything in order, then his hands off. And somehow everything they put in order and set in place is just going to happen. It's just going to occur. We have no input. We have no part to play. I've got news for you. He didn't send his son to die on Calvary so you and I could sit with our arms folded saying, okay, God, just go ahead and do it. 
Okay, God, just get it accomplished. No, he called you. He saved you. He brought you out of the miry clay and set your feet on a rock so that you could be an ambassador. You could be a witness. You could fulfill his plan for your life. We may have known that God was calling us to Tallahassee, but until we took the steps to make that happen, it would never occur. You understand what I'm saying? I don't think that somehow God would have downloaded into the minds of that search committee the name of Stephen Yvonne Dow, who they had never heard of in their life, who they had never seen in their life. That's not the way it works. But when God gives us direction, it's then up to us to follow that direction, to walk it out, and to see what God will bring to pass. So there's a lot of folks that just think that, well, whatever will be, will be. I have no control over anything. It's just karma. I hate that. Karma is not a Christian teaching. It just makes my blood boil when I hear believers say, it's just karma. Do you know where that comes from? That's a Hindu teaching that Buddha took and revitalized and revamped and expanded to talk to you about whatever happens is going to happen. And if you do bad stuff, it's going to come out bad. If you do good stuff, it's going to come out good. It's all about your works. It's not going to work that way. And then they tacked on reincarnation to the end of that. I don't know about you, but I only want to live this life once. I'm not interested in coming back again. And you do realize in that false teaching that if you aren't a really good person in this life, you're coming back lesser. I I don't know why you believe that stuff. None of us are good enough to come back better. We're all going to come back as dogs and cats and lizards and snakes. Bunch of nonsense. It's crazy. Why would you believe that when you have the opportunity to be called a son and a daughter of God? An opportunity to be a part of his immediate family. An opportunity to walk right into the presence of God and say, Daddy, I'm here. I need some wisdom. I need some hope. I need some encouragement. I need some direction. I'm coming to seek you today. Why would you believe that garbage? Don't use that term. Come on, church, be better than that. Let me rephrase that. Be more educated than that. We don't need to use the terms of Eastern mysticism to describe our life with God. doesn't work. It's not for real. We need to understand there is a plan for our life, and God will bring it to pass. Many have spent time to discover God's plan and God's purposes for their life, only then to have that plan dashed on the curbs of conformity. Because God often asks us to do things that don't fit with our culture, that don't fit with our way of thinking, that don't fit what we perceive Christianity to be. And if we allow the plans and purposes of God to fall because of conformity, we have derailed the whole thing. Oh, friend, do you not know? Do you not understand? You have been called for a purpose. You have been set apart. You're a special people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God has put his seal upon you. He's put his presence in you. He's letting his love and his grace and mercy flow through you. You should not be like culture. You should be different. Because the love of God flows through your life. When we look at that verse from Psalm Uh, 139 verse 14, it uses two words, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. The word fearfully means reverence, God. That's what it really means. So we should understand the life that we live, we should honor and praise God for that. That's why we don't abuse our bodies. 
That's why we don't do things that harm our lives, because we are fearfully made. We are reverencing God with the light that is within us. And then he says we are wonderfully made. And that means distinct or unique. I said it once, let me say it again. There's only one of you. God has made you special with the purpose that you may be his masterpiece. Oh, God wants to show you off, folks. God wants to say like he did of Job, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him. None like him. God's looking for some folks who will say, I'm unique. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. There's only one of me. I've got a plan and I've got a purpose and I'm going to fulfill it. I'm going to follow God with all my heart, with all my passion. I'm going to do what God asked me to do so he'll be honored and glorified and exalted all the days of my life. There is a plan and there is a purpose. God has a plan for each one of us. His perfect will is for you to find that plan and then do it. And this is the great part. When we're doing God's plan, when we're living in God's purpose, there's a sense of satisfaction in our spirit. It doesn't mean we don't have problems. It doesn't mean we don't face trials and difficulties. But it means when the devil comes against us, it means when life turns and things aren't as pleasant as they should be, I still know I have a hope that is steadfast and sure that God has a plan for my life. And it's not going to end until God says it's over. That's why I can look at Doug back there in the risers, and he survived a massive heart attack, has 5% function, and I can say he's still here because God has a plan. God has a purpose. God's not finished yet. I heard what the doctor said. You've seen the test results, but I've got news for you. When you follow God and his plan and his purpose, it doesn't matter what's out here. What matters is what's in here. What you've heard the Lord reveal to you and through you. As you follow him. And when you understand God's plan and God's purpose, yeah, you'll probably have some issues. Christianity isn't a cakewalk. Things can be difficult. But the good news is the peace of God that passes all understanding will fill your heart and fill your mind through Christ Jesus. You understand then that Christianity and doing God's will is not drudgery. You know, there's a lot of folks... I'm looking at these young ladies here, and thank you for being here this morning. I'm so delighted that you're here with us today. God bless you. At your age, there's a lot of folks that tell you there's nothing in Christianity worth following. I've got news for you. The greatest game you'll ever be a part of is following Jesus Christ. The greatest revelation you'll ever have is knowing Him as your Lord and Savior. It's not boring. It's not dull. It's a, it's a, a walk every day that's filled with excitement and joy. And it's something that you will never dream or imagine when you choose to follow Him. So follow Him. Find that Christianity is not dull and boring. Man, if you think it's dull and boring, you've got to spend a day with me. This is an exciting place. This place is hopping all the time. You walk out on that parking lot and you think, my God, it's Sodom and Gomorrah out there. You better have your armor on. We need to understand when we're following God, life is exciting. It's not dull. It's not boring. It's not routine. It's new every single morning as it pours His grace and His mercy into our lives. Wonderful things happen. It's not dull and it's not boring when we follow Him. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. If you look at verses 3, 4, and 5, you'll see three verbs. The first in verse 3 is trust in the Lord. 
Do good. Dwell in the land. Feed on his faithfulness. Verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Do you hear that? He says, trust. Then he says, delight. Then he says, commit. You see, when we put those three things together and we apply them to God's plan and purpose for our lives, it tells me that he's going to change the desires of my heart so they align with his, and then he's going to give me the desires of my heart. Oh, come on, you talk about a real deal. That's a real deal. I can name it and claim it when my passions and my desires align with his. But when they don't, I'm just empty words. See, we need to understand that we have to pursue God's will, make a commitment to it, and then He honors His Word in and over our lives. And then point number two, don't be discouraged. All of us will face discouragement and disappointment. All of us will know failure, it just happens. All of us will know hardship. That's why Paul said, endure hardship as a good soldier. So this is the Word from God for you and me today. When tough things happen, when we're following Him, don't get discouraged and stop complaining. Stop griping and grumbling. Nobody wants to hear it anyway. You know, it amazes me. People want an hour of my time on a regular basis, and all they want to do is gripe. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay. And then they leave feeling so much better because all they did was get it off their chest. Can I tell you, don't waste my time. Take it to him. I can't do anything about it, but he can. And if your gripe is legitimate, he'll move on your behalf. And if it's just you, he's going to say, get over it. Amen. We need to understand, stop complaining. Because God will get you where he wants you to go. God will get you where he wants you to go if you set your face to follow him. If you pursue him. And in that process, there will be some difficult times. But remember this, he's never going to let go. He's never going to turn you loose. He's going to hang on for all it's worth. Come here, Chris. He's going to hang on for all it's worth. Chris is a bodybuilder. And I want, when I'm in trouble, if I'm drowning and sinking, I want somebody to hang on to me, don't you? I want somebody to never let me go. Now, if I have to say it's Chris or some little bitty skinny guy, I'm going to choose Chris every time, right? Every single time. Give me the guy with muscles compared to the skinny guy to pull me out and to hang on to me, to not let me go. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. He isn't going to let me go. It doesn't matter if I try to get away. He isn't going to let me go. It doesn't matter if I run. He isn't going to let me go. He's got me. Do you hear me? He's got you this morning. He's never going to let you go. You've got to understand that when you're following God. Tough things will happen. Difficulties will occur. But he is not going to let you go. He's going to hang on to you. He's going to hang on to you. The problem is we get into a difficult spot when we're following God. I must not have heard right. I must have misinterpreted what I heard. That must not be accurate. No, that's a lie, a perverted religion. It's going to happen. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. But he didn't end it there, did he? He went on to say, but be of good cheer. You know what that means? Put a smile on your face when you're hurting. Put a smile on your face when life is rough. Be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Oh, come on, folks. We got to get that in our spirit. We're not in this thing by ourselves. He's already paid the way. He's already blazed the trail. He's already paid the price. All we have to do is hang on. All we have to do is say, don't let me go. 
All we have to do is stop our griping, our grumbling, and our complaining, knowing that sometimes difficult things occur, but God's going to take me through. God's never going to let me go, and God's going to get me where He wants me to go when I hang on to Him. Colossians 1.9, Colossians 1.19, pardon me. Paul was saying to the church at Colossae that they be filled, praying that they be filled with the will and the knowledge of God. This morning, my prayer for you and for me is that we be filled with the knowledge and the will of God. Because when we have the knowledge and the will of God, we're going to follow Him. We have the assurance He's not going to let me go. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt His plans and His purposes are perfect for me. All of us know Jeremiah 29, don't we? 29, 11. I know the thoughts that I have for you, thoughts of peace and not of evil to bring about an expected end. Newer versions say to bring hope and future. That's God's plan for your life. I know the thoughts I have towards you. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil, to bring hope and future. And as we set our face to follow him, he reveals that to us one step at a time. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this room this morning. You're here in this place today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. You've never asked Him to come into your heart and to change your life. But this morning, the Lord is speaking to you and He's asking you to open the door, to let Him in, to receive Him, to become a part of the family of God. He's speaking to you and He's asking you simply to trust Him today, to delight in Him today, to commit your ways to Him today. And when you do, wonderful things are going to occur. The most wonderful thing is your sins are going to be forgiven. Your life is going to be transformed. So in this room this morning, the Spirit of God has been talking to you about His plan for your life. And His plan is for you to become a child of God, first and foremost. So you hear you say, I need to accept Christ as my Savior, have Him forgive my sins, come into my life, change me. As I wait just a moment, that's you and God's talking to you. It has been all service long. That's you. Would you just right where you sat, lift your hand and say, pray for me, Steve. I need to have Jesus come into my heart and my life. I need him to forgive me. Yes, young man, I see that hand. Someone else says, oh, wait a moment. That's me. Yes, I see that hand, young lady. Someone else says, oh, wait a moment. Yes, yes, in the risers, I see those hands. Someone else. So wait a moment. God's talking to you. You need Him to come into your life. Change your life. Forgive your sins. Bring transformation. So wait another moment. Anyone else? Yes, young lady. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'll see you there in the back. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.